0: I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the POP Podcast. All right. Hey, 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 guys. And welcome back to... The Pop Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Groves, and I'm taking us to the East Coast in a city that I have yet to visit, but a city that I have wanted to visit for probably five years now. So I need to get that on the calendar. But we have another food and beverage or food, rather, entrepreneur on the podcast. And as someone that I don't think I've ever had a pierogi before, or maybe I have. So I'm super. <laughs> Interested in this entire story, and obviously I did research, but we have Casey White, the CEO and founder of Jaju Paroki on the podcast. Say hello to the audience.
1: Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you all. My name's Casey, as uh, Aaron said, and I am co-CEO and co-founder alongside my sister, um Vanessa White. So Casey and Vanessa White, two sisters in the Boston area.
0: I'm super excited to dive into this. And I know your whole mission and company really came to fruition because of your grandfather and a recipe that he had. So I want you to give the audience a little bit of background on you and your sister and how you got to where you are today with a pierogi company.
1: Yes. So we grew up in a western part of the state. So it was a farmish town, um, but rural, rural Massachusetts. And we grew up always on our grandfather's pierogi. He had a Polish deli alongside his siblings that he started in the 1950s. So growing up, my mom would always bring, or we would see our grandfather our grandparents' house and we'd always have pierogi, galamki, all the different, you know, Polish delicacies they had to offer at the store. And so we always had it because we were, my mom's 100% Polish and my dad's Irish. So we're 50-50, but we always had pierogi. And then uh, my sister's five years older than me, so we kind of different times in our lives. Went to college, I was in high school. And never really matched up. But then we were both graduated in the Boston area, and we we were just thinking like, huh, like where are all the pierogi? Like we don't we don't hear about it, we don't see it. Our friends and family, you know, or friend our friends from college. And people we met along the way were always like, where'd you get those pierogi? Like when they'd see our fro- our grandfather's pierogi in our freezers. Um, and we'd bring them to parties and be like, I can't get these. i like, what? Because we always had them. But then, our, you know, the wheels started turning and we realized, huh, like maybe there's an opportunity in the Boston area for this type of product. And so for people who don't know what a pierogi is, um, it's a Polish dumpling. So every culture, you know, kind of has their own. form of dumpling and this is the polish dumpling so it's i mean a lot of eastern european uh, countries make something very similar to the pierogi but it's you know all purpose flour butter water salt the dough and then traditional stuffing has something to potatoes we do like a potato and cheese uh sauerkraut is also very popular so sauerkraut mushroom um and then we do a a, bunch different other flavors too to kind of modernize pierogi in today's uh you know, world. So yeah, so it started off just kind of like, hey, let's test this out. I was 23 at the time. My sister is five years older than me. So she we were kind of early in our career, not married, no kids. We're like, why not? Let's give this a try. Um so we we started testing on the side, um, on my sister's kitchen table. We took our grandfather's recipe. We literally went to the store and it was in like a book in the back corner on this like dresser where it shouldn't have been for so long (laughs) but it was just sitting there so we took it home and started tinkering around um we put survey monkeys out we had people testing the product and we started like really really small which looking back now we're seven years in I think was like really like the smartest thing we could have done because we tested something before we you know like really took the full leap, um, into the business, which I think was, was very smart of us to do. So we started doing kind of like the traditional thing with a lot of food, um, companies is going to farmer's markets, pop-ups, stuff like that. And we kept selling out. This was our first farmer's market, the two of us. And we brought 40 bags because we were like, we'll see how this goes. And then we sold out in an hour and we were like taking everyone's names and addresses down saying like, Oh, we'll come to your house. We'll, we'll deliver. You know, it doesn't make any sense financially, but yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So so we just kept doing that for about a year and a half. And then, yeah, we had to make a decision to jump, you know, fully into it um, or stop because it was becoming like really big in the Boston area. And it was, you know, overtaking our day jobs. And we kind of felt bad about that. (laughs) So we took the leap probably uh, about 18 months in
0: been full-time since. If you're listening to this podcast and you were hungry, you are now hungry. If you were were hungry, you're still hungry and you're probably salivating. And if you were not hungry, now you're hungry hearing you talk about these pierogies. I do think I've had one before. Um, On a more serious note, there's a lot that you just touched on there. Working with your sister, I kind of want to start there. I think going into business with a partner in general can be hard. And you hear a lot of different entrepreneurs have hot takes on that. How has that experience been going into business with your sister? And is there any advice that you would give for someone that is looking to maybe go in with a spouse or with a family member?
1: Yeah. Um, Boundaries. Boundaries. So very important because typically, right, with a spouse or especially a sibling, you feel like there aren't any, but yes. it's because, you know, we're, we're blood, we can say whatever you want, you're my family, you won't, you know, at the end of the day, you can't choose your family, right? But it's really important early on to create those boundaries saying, hey, you know, we're working on this thing. Um, we're trying to grow a business here. We're We're two polar opposite humans. <laughs> We couldn't be more different. Which elaborate I on that. Yeah. So we... So she's five years older than me. Um, you know, growing up, we didn't hang out at all, really. Just kind of with our age and just, you know, how school went. But we... I'm, I'm like the extrovert, introvert, laid back type A type. <laughs> and my sister is definitely like type A, headstrong, knows what she wants, communicates it right away, no BS, like direct, direct, direct. Um, And so it's interesting, you know, going to business together because we're both type A, but different forms of type A. So managing that um, has been a bit challenging. The good thing with us is we both like doing different things within the business. And we learned that early on. So I think It's important, especially, you know, with a family member or a significant other to be like, hey, like, what's your ideal role in this business? Right. Like we're both scrappy. We're both putting in 100 plus hours a week trying to make this work. But what do you really enjoy doing? And then seeing what matches or like what's opposite. And so we can divide and conquer. Um, But it's very. Yes. So when there's no. When there's, you know, siblings, it's like no boundaries. If you don't create the boundaries, it can be pure chaos sometimes. The, the sisterly, you know. Yeah, I <laughs> can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, at this point, you know, t- obviously there's it's kind of a roller coaster ride. But yeah. at this point, we're pretty, we're really clear on what each other's roles are within the business. And so we're able to divide and conquer. And I feel like we accomplished so much more, but we have the same end goal, which has always been the same, which I think is very important to discuss early on. Cause I've heard other founders, um, siblings, significant others or just friends that go into business together and they don't really talk about like the end goal. And then they're like five, six years in because they're you know addicted to the, the rush that is entrepreneurship. <laughs> And then they're like, why are we here? What are we doing? What's the end game? Which I think needs to happen sooner than later.
0: I, but we're going to hit on the addicted to the rush. I just had this conversation yesterday and every time I have a conversation the day of the podcast or the day before it always comes up. But before we get to that, how did you learn and figure that on early on? I talk a lot about building self-awareness and I think entrepreneurship is that journey of really understanding who you are and how you can operate at your best self. So from your perspective, how did you learn like, Hey, this is what I'm really good at. And this is what I'm not good at. And the same for your sister.
1: Yeah. So I think, so I went to Bentley, uh, university, which is hundred percent business. So, you know, you're never, or your roommate is never a nurse. (laughs) It's, we're all doing kind of the same thing, going through the same curriculum. And I feel, I knew early on in college that I really liked numbers. I liked micro micro and macroeconomics. I liked, you know, it made sense to me like logistics. And if you do this, this is the cause, you know, cause and effect X, the the graph, I can, I see it in my, like my mind every day. (laughs) I just think numbers. Um, So early on, I kind of took the lead on, you know, ordering, pricing, costing, because that's just really where my mind goes, where my sister is always is the dreamer and the creative. And my brain does not function like that. I applaud it. I'm happy she exists, but it's always been that way. So it's, it's, it was natural, right. To kind of divide, but I, that's the experience from honestly, college kind of like shapes me into that thinking. And then my first corporate job, um, which I did not last long corporate at all, uh, <laughs> was, was like crunching numbers and reporting and all that. And I, I, I still like doing that if in, in the business too. So it kind of, Yeah. It was early. It was definitely college really. like, okay, yeah, you are definitely more of a number cruncher.
0: The corporate world. We're going to touch a little bit on this and why that didn't last as long. Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of come to the same conclusion. And I always ask the question, do you feel like your whole life you were an entrepreneur or there's parts of you who always wanted to go out and do your own thing or do you feel it was your experience in the corporate world that led you to owning your own business
1: Yeah I've all so I've always envisioned myself owning like a restaurant or something to do with food, um, and beverage and just like customer service and, and like managing front of how, like, I just always had this vision of, you know, like in Costa Rica, like this restaurant, like side of like a cliff, like just daydreaming, but I always thought of that. And so going to school, you know, I went a business school, it was some, I mean, great school, but it, they, you know, you're going to corporate worlds, accounting and finance, your business management, you're going to do X, you're going to do Y creating and like, okay let's, you know, let's, let's see, you know, I, I spent all this money on college. Let's see how, like what this is all about. So in the back of my head, I always knew like I wanted to do something in food. Um, and, but, and I also wanted to do in food because I've always heard that 90% of food businesses fail, which was really intriguing to me. So I was like 90%, I'm going to be in the 10% because this is difficult. <laughs> so, um, I've always had that thought. And then Going into corporate, I, I really did enjoy my experience the year and a half I was there, but I could not get over the, and this works for people, right? It's, it's not a, a job to anyone in the corporate world. Like the lifestyle works for people. Um, and I respect that. Uh, work-life balance is something I haven't experienced for seven years. <laughs> so I can appreciate people wanting that. Um, but the meeting, like the in corporate, you know, like the meeting about the meeting about the meeting about the meeting was something I couldn't, I couldn't handle. I just kinda wanted like, okay, problem solve, problem solved. Like, okay, here's the issue, let's solve it, move on. Okay, here's the issue, let's solve it, move on. It felt like it was always a collaboration and not like that's a bad thing necessarily, but I just felt like nothing really was progressing as fast as I felt like it needed to progress. <laughs> and then at the same time, you know, I'm bored because I'm like the meeting, about the meeting, about the meeting, I'm done with my, you know, I'm, I'm out of college. And when you're entry level, right, and you're hungry, and you're excited to be working, you get done with your work in like two and a half hours, you have eight hours left in a day, you're like what you're twiddling your thumbs and pretending to work, you know, you're like, wait, I'm done, but they have nothing else for me. Um. So that's when my wheels, you know, start spinning. And I started like food blogging, and when I travel a lot. So like, blogging when it was becoming like a thing. And then um, yeah, like we just started talking about the froggy. It's funny. We can't decide who brought up the conversation. We like really don't remember, but we started talking about it. Um, and then that's when I was like all consuming because I wanted, to, I was like, yes, this is what I wanted to do like in some form. And here it is at 23 and I'm bored.
0: <laughs> so the hardest part for people is coming to that idea or executing on the idea. For me, it's finding that light bulb moment. I know it's going to go off. What advice would you give for people who are in a similar situation as you, maybe in the corporate world and they're bored or entrepreneurship is the path they want to go on finding that idea that lights them up and makes them want to take the leap into entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah. So I write that the energy, like the light, the excitement over something, but the fear um, of jumping, I, I would recommend, and I've met with a few people who I actually went to college with who, you know, did the same path, went through the same thing I did and have really, really great, um, you know, secure finance, corporate jobs. And I always say, like, just if it's something that's exciting you, like lighting, lighting the fire under your bum, like, just start doing it on the side. Like I was coming home, right? And I was testing the recipes and making pierogi with my sister on the kitchen table. And then like, we were like, you know, we're going to a farmer's market once a month. And this is not that much time, but this is like something exciting. And I want to be in food. So just like testing it on the side. Because What's the worst thing that can happen? You know? Yeah. Okay. I go to three farmer's markets and no one wants my product. Well, I'll just make it for my family. Like, you know, there's like really low, like it's, it's not it's not as risky as people think it is. If you just start, you know, entertaining the, if it's, if it's in your mind, and it's sitting with you, like just start testing it on the side or, or trying it on the side and see how far it goes. Cause if you want something enough, like you're going to make it happen. I always say, because people always say like, how do you like, you know, probably the same with you. It's like, how do you juggle all these things? You know, you you work out every morning and you, you do this, you do that, you travel. Blah, blah. It's like it's like everything is a priority until it's not, right? So whatever it is, if you don't work out, it's not your priority. That's, that's okay. But that's just not what you prioritize during the day. So for me, it was like, well, I have like this thought, I'm bored. Like my priority is to potentially own a food business. I've always did picture myself being my own boss at some point. So I was like, okay, like, let's make this my priority because it's probably going to be my priority at
0: 37 or 47. So
1: let's just do it now.
0: I always, always, always say, and I had this conversation earlier, when people say, use time as an example, we're all busy and we all have the same number of hours in the day. Obviously, certain people are a lot busier than other people. I understand that. But I do think too, when it's working out or starting a business or whatever it is in your life, if it is a priority, you're going to make time for it. I would say you make time to eat because it's a priority. You make time to go to the bathroom because you have to. It's like you make a priority for things that you want to do. And it's the same with business. It's the same with losing weight. It's the same with eating healthy. So I'm very glad that you touched on that. And you mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but you said that you and your sister tested out the pierogies and took it to farmers markets for about eighteen months before you went full time. Why do you think that was so beneficial in the success of your business? Now, the testing period. Yes.
1: Yes. So this is good, this applies to anyone, in, especially in our industry with food, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. Honestly, I think if we were successful because we're testing the product. In a market that we lived in, we knew, but it was, you know, fifty dollars to go to farmers market and your the brand is on the tent, right? The brand is right here. Here's here's the product. Uh, see if you like it. So we created a buzz, we got excitement, we had, you know, farmers markets that were going to bi weekly. So we see the same faces, and they tell three of their friends, and then you're at a brewery event which we we got in the brewery scene at a time when it was really cool. <laughs> like now pop-ups at breweries are like very, very common and happen every weekend. But yeah. we were there like around 2019 like I think, when it became like it was really new and hot and like what's happening? We gotta go here. So we jumped on that. And so I think yeah, testing it and being in your local community and like the local market. And being consistently there, you know, like, okay, they tried it. Now I'm here in two weeks. Oh, my friend, Susan wants to try it. Okay. Oh, you're at this free, like, like tagging at, like tying everything together in a market and being everywhere. That's the thing that's hard about like this business I've heard um, with like sweet Lauren, yeah. like, and she said it, people in the industry say, it's like in our CPG industry, consumer packaged goods, you kind of have to be everywhere like for people to notice the brand because it gets busy. So I think it was really, really important for us to just kind of be everywhere we could in our local market. That was like low barrier to entry, you know, $50 a market and can be very consistent with it because we built a really strong loyal following. So when we did that, we were like, okay, well, we now we want to be in grocery stores. So now we have this local market and we can test You know, we can see how loyal they are if we're in these specialty stores down the street. You know, let's see if they're going to pick them up there. And it it worked. So then we kept, you know, going to more farmers markets, more festivals, more pop-ups, you know, throughout New England. And then hitting up and selling into specialty stores in those areas to keep it going. And that's what we still do. And I think that was really important. It's just to kind of be everywhere all the time but it's a lot of work, you know, like we kind of gave up, like people were like, do you have a social life? And I was like, not really (laughs) for a little while. It was just like, yeah, I'm gone for another weekend. Bye. Um, But it really is how we were able to, to grow to to then transition mostly to wholesale and grocery.
0: It's a, it's a grind. And I think because it's so competitive, I was going to say, there we go. Now you're more light. Yeah. I was perfect. like, I'm really dark. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I just texted Spider. I'm like, we need to get her. Okay. There she is. Um, yeah. Getting into supermarkets is hard. And I feel like when you see all the things on the shelves, you, there's so many options, but at the same time, it's like, when you're trying to start a business, I mean, I have, I've interviewed a few people and I know some other people that are trying to start the business. You're like, it is really hard to break in and find a market. But you mentioned something that we talk about a lot and is a common theme consistency. How important is consistency when you're trying to build a business from scratch, whether it's food or in a different industry?
1: Very, very important. I think in any, in any industry, like as you just mentioned, like, you know, even social media, how important it is to be on some social media platform, especially, you know, for, I mean, my generation millennials, like Instagram is very, is very big. And it's like, you have to be consistent there, right? Because people are sitting on social media, they're following your brand. If you don't post for three weeks and no one knows where you are, yeah. Well, another dumpling company that goes to that farmers market or event like, you know, takes their attention away from you. So, it's it's very important and it's tiring, but I believe that in being consistent and being everywhere all the time uh initially it was really like a key to our success.
0: How did you know at the 18 month mark that it was time for you and your sister to leave the corporate world or leave the jobs that you had and go full time into Jaju?
1: I think part of it so I was on my computer and feeling super guilty <laughs> at our corporate job being like I am not even doing my regular job yeah. now and this is not good. Um but So we did it for, yeah, a year and a half. Um, We were in a deli. So we noticed that the one chest freezer that we had was like not closing ever. (laughs) So we're like, okay. Or it was closing because we'd sell out and then we'd produce again and we'd sell out. And it was like one chest freezer. We're like, okay. And then we're adding. So we realized like we're on the weekends and now we're producing on Wednesdays. Now it's 1 a.m. and I have to go to my corporate job. It was just like, what are we doing? Like, which one, you know? Yeah. And so I always say that there's a point too, right? Because I was like, test the product, like test the concept. But there is a point where it's it's not actually enough to be full-time, but it's not it's too much to be part-time. So that's like the scary like area, right? Because you're like, oh my God, I'm going to jump ship. And now I have like 30 hours of work. this business but it's not and I'm not making I'm not paying myself and I have bills to pay that aren't just the business but I it was a point where it's like you gotta you really do have a decision like okay are we gonna like try and give it our all or are we just gonna close the book on this um and that's what it was it was like three days a week three four days a week on top of the corporate and then sitting at your corporate job on your computer. And that was and the thing is it, like it was so much more fulfilling. So much more fulfilling than what I was crunching on my laptop for someone else that I was like, I can't not like I will regret this for the rest of my life. But I was just like, you yeah, know, this paycheck is nice. So I was like, I have never been more fulfilled in my entire life. <laughs> and I still feel that every single day. Like I'm like always problem solving and never bored.
0: Oh, <laughs> I'm so happy for you. That's so good to hear. How did you get through that scary period in your life if someone is going through that right now or they feel it coming on their horizon? Yeah.
1: Um, so it definitely takes a certain t- type of person. Um, but I do believe most people can get through it. So, for me, we had, we had some like side gigs going on, right? So if you, if it's like a financial thing, it's a financial fear. Um, I recommend like having like another, like small, like short term, like cash generating job, right? Like waitressing, bartending, something on the side that like lets you, you know, not have that fear. If it's not financial and it's just like an emotional fear, I I say like, what else, what's a good distraction? Like for me, like if I work out, like my mind is clear. And then like, okay, this is like, what is your, like, what is the goal here? Okay. The goal is to grow and scale a company to a national distribu nationally distributed, uh, specialty food. So to get there, I need to do X, Y, and Z. This is scary, but I'm going to make it through <laughs> like, like constantly reminding yourself, but I, yeah. And it's just being consistent. Like, knowing that like you know what the end goal is but like grinding through like every day that's the thing even now it's like sometimes you get lost in the day and then you're like oh my gosh like this time last year we were in 400 stores now we're in 950 stores like oh my gosh like because I just like I grinded it out you know and so I mean there is no easy answer but if the fire is there and it's failing is all hell, then you got to persevere because it's totally worth it.
0: I love your energy. (laughs) Consistency. What is one, or not what is one, what's a failure that you had early on in launching a business that you look back on now and either catapulted you to more success or a learning lesson for people out there listening? Yeah, let's see a good question let's see
1: I think so initially um we went full-time and then we tried to do a lot with with little resources you know we've always been scrappy it's kind of the Polish way to be honest um but we so we did, we're doing wholesale. So we started specialty um, distribute, like grocery store distribution first. Then we're doing the events and festivals. And then we decided to open a little store and a food hall. Um, and we just got too excited about all the opportunities that we weren't, as the money person, I wasn't managing that correctly. I was very optimistic about what it was going to yield. And then there was a point where I was like, oh no. Because I couldn't really back down, you know, after you're like, yes, 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 yes. And then you're looking at your P&L and you're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so that was a moment where I was like, OK, I really to, like have a strategy with like money management and like cash management and all of that. And, you know, you can get really excited and, you know, you're feeling the fire uh, that you have, but you have to you really kind of have to like have like a weekly or monthly call. Like, Hey, this is what is our focus for like the next quarter, especially as you're starting out and you're small and you don't have that much capital. It's like, what is the focus for the quarter? Okay. The year. Okay, great. Let's do this for the next quarter, next quarter, like thinking that way. So I I regret kind of jumping too quickly into many, many different forms, Um, like thinking, Oh, revenue streams, revenue streams. But, There's a expense line underneath
0: that (laughs) revenue. Yeah. That's a good one. I No one's ever called that out before because I always ask the question, which is my next question of when you're scaling. So you said you went from 400 stores to 950 stores where you're at now. What's the biggest learning lesson that you and your sister have learned when scaling a business? Maybe it's what to do or maybe it's what not to do.
1: Yeah. So we, we've grown pretty methodically in that sense. So, or in in the sense of like wholesale distribution, which is like the main, the, in the end goal. So for, for Vanessa and I, so our end goal, I guess I should share is to grow and sell the business to someone, um, the right partner. We don't want to, you know, if someone knocks on our door tomorrow, we, it would have to be right. And it would have to make sense. Um, but we've always been we've it's been the two of us out there selling the product and in and, and we haven't hired anyone else so i think like to really scale the business we're realizing now like we need to stop being so like scrappy with our resources and like who like what person or people do we invest in to really bring this to the next level so um what we've realized in the past year especially with, you know, rising costs, labor costs, and ingredients, and just the climate that is, um, that we could go one or two ways their business, so we could build out a larger facility and continue to manage production, or we could go to the co-packing route, so essentially outsourcing our production, which a lot of companies do really early on, but we've always been, you know, we're going to manage it, it's our quality, it's our product, but we're realizing now, especially as you try to scale outside of New England, um, that you either invest in like multi million dollar you know facility that's still your headache, or you find the right partner to manufacture. So that's that we know is the right move. co packing. That's our next move. Um, just because now you know like Kroger is interested in us on the West Coast, which oh, is awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. But it's like okay, how do we produce this? You know, we're yeah. producing X now, and and we want to say yes. So, we've realized, like, as we've methodically grown the wholesale, that like our facility has been great for three three, four years. But now, to really scale and move volume, we have to outsource the production to the right partner because it can it could go south pretty quickly if you don't find the right partner. so we're we're working on that,
0: taking the next step and knowing what direction to go, I think, can be hard for people and understanding you have this vision of where you want to go, but taking the next step within arm's reach and not taking a huge jump for you all. How have you navigated inching towards that goal methodically? I've heard you say that word a few times instead of taking big leaps and bounds to try to get to the end goal that you're working towards.
1: Yeah, I think it's important. So you have to be methodical, like we have been. When you're when you're trying, when you're not trying to give away some ownership of your business or raise like a bunch of money, right? So like in our in our industry, you need a lot of marketing dollars and 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 you know upfront spend for to produce you know hundred thousand units. So we've always we didn't we've never wanted to give away ownership early on. So we've, that's how we've grown methodically in the sense of like, okay, what can we afford? Okay. We can afford like three or four more chains with what we're doing now. Okay. Next. What's next year look like because of what we've done. Okay. We can do five or six more chains and a hundred more specialty stores. Like, so we've always, because we didn't want to give away our business prematurely, but we're quickly realizing <laughs> that, and we, you know, we now as you grow and you're in the space and you meet like a ton of, people, you know, talking to like Lauren on the phone and like just talking to people who, who really have scaled, uh, nationally, it's it, you quickly realize that you do have to fuel your business with a, 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 quite a bit of cash Yeah. <laughs> or, or, um, find a producer who can, you know, do eight times what you can in a day and go out and sell and sell a lot. <laughs> so I've never been more clear on like what the next step is because for a few years it was like, we don't want to give ownership away. We want to manage production. Um, Like this is, we don't want to get this to get too big, but very clear on like what the next step should be. And we, I think we found the right partner for co-packing too. So it's kind of exciting because my role will change dramatically, drastically. Um, And so Vanessa's, and I think it's towards things we want to do more of like sell and marketing and operations that aren't just production.
0: What's one thing that you've learned about yourself over the last four years that you didn't know before starting a business?
1: I am very independent. I've known that I was independent and and self-reliant. So I've known this but not to the extent in which I really am. So I will never ask for help. And I've learned, or I I haven't. And then this past year, I've realized that when people ask you if you'd like help, you should say yes, 90% of the time, (laughs) because it makes them feel better and it makes you feel better. I don't know where that stems from, um, but I've realized it's kind of, it's a weakness because like just, relying on like especially because I have a partner right so like yeah. you know if that's a conversation between the two of us like just I asked you for help I only asked me for help and I'm like oh I got it I got it I got it but it's like you don't have to you don't have to get it like you can, someone else can help um so I've I've learned that and I've I've known this but I've it's really been confirmed that like super self-disciplined so it's like okay and that's why I think Corporate was was kind of boring for me in a sense because I was like, okay, I tackled this, done. Now what? Like now it's like okay, I can work. You know, I wake up at five thirty. I go I go for a run or I do this. Okay, from this and this, I do this. Then I have a call. Then I have to run payroll. Then I like I like the crazy, and I'm I'm good at it because I'm very like very disciplined in how I go about my life because I I am one of those where I think if I think if I'm sitting with my thoughts for too long. <laughs>
0: It's a problem. (laughs) Have you taken the Enneagram test?
1: I have a long time ago. I should take it though. Again, because I forget what my...
0: Okay, what your number is. is. Yeah. I have a feeling you're an eight, And the reason I say that is because the job that I'm in now is I sell coaching to like executives like yourself, like CEOs and founders. And we talk a lot about personality tests. I think one of the most interesting things is almost every entrepreneur that I interview is an eight or a three or something along those lines. But like being very independent in nature, I think it's hard to ask for help because like you said, I think asking for help in my mind is a sense of weakness. Like I feel that I'm weak when in reality, it's not weak to ask for help. And I think a lot of this stems from like not wanting to feel like I like to know things. I like to think that I know it and I, it's a control thing, but that's something that I'm trying to work on even at work is like, it's okay to not know the answer. Like you can figure it out. It's okay to ask for help and not feel bad. Cause I'll ask for help, but then I feel bad. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I asked you a question. Like, don't yell at me. And they're like, I'm not going to yell at you. And I'm like, okay, I just, I get overwhelmed. I don't know why it's just, it's definitely a, a personality trait. And I want to, dive into a little bit I think it's has to do with your nature but being addicted to the endorphin and the high that is entrepreneurship I feel like it's such a very real thing and you just mentioned running which I am the same and I get so addicted to the endorphins and like once I'm on a running kick it I I can never turn back from your perspective how has that impacted you personally or how do you advise people on navigating that chasing of the high, but also recognizing that there's probably some negative that could come with that if that's what you're always chasing after?
1: Yes. Um, definitely some negative ties to that because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm um, realizing realizing now so in a newer relationship again in my early 30s and realizing like the balance is so important not just like I, I go I don't need the balance but then I'm like well other people are expecting things from you you know I mean? and like yeah. it feels good to like diversify you know because we're so addicted to our business and so focused on like the next thing but and you know, in the work morning working out and then like, okay, like the runner's high or like, yeah, endorphins, like they're real and they're so important. They're so important to your life and like the day to day, but also like, yeah, getting so zeroed in and focused on a certain thing. And then other people take it personally, you know, and it's, it's really, it's hard to communicate that. And that's, and that's, and it's not, but it's, Not a good thing to become so focused on one thing and not in other things that do light you up, like your significant others and your family members and and things that aren't tied to work, right? Like exercise, I tie to work because it's like, it's kind of like how I get through like my day, (laughs) but like other things, you know, sitting and drinking a beer with, with someone you care about and having conversations, nothing to do with Jaju. Like, it's really important to do that. And so I've learned, especially with the guy I'm dating now, it's like, you gotta like, it's so important to like close the laptop and just be because, you know, Josh, you can last 10 years, but this person could be a lifetime. And like, you don't want to jeopardize that and the friendship or relationship. So I think it's important to recognize that. And luckily in my situation, he's like told directly communicated that, which I think I needed <laughs> a little wake up call. Um,
0: I love that.
1: I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm super direct. I've never had that. I'm like pretty direct, but I've never dated someone that's like so direct. But it's so helpful for like so helpful for me. Like it's, I need it spelled out.
0: <laughs> is he an entrepreneur?
1: <laughs> no, he's um, a CRNA. So he's an I can never say the word. I always like oh yeah nurse anesthetist anesthetist, anesthetist. yeah puts people to sleep.
0: Yeah, I can never say. It. I'm like, da, 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 da. wow. So he's he's like yeah. are, he's smart in a different way. My mom, my whole family's in medicine, so I like am very familiar with that. That's interesting. You're one of the very yeah. first entrepreneurs that I've met that is dating someone that's in medicine. That's how is that balance for you?
1: So it's funny because like the thought of blood makes me want to pass out. Yeah. So it's it's like. I have no understanding or background, but I. It's kind of. It's so different. Yeah. So it's it's nice because it's like you know for him he's like I'm not taking another other other nurse because typically in medicine medicine you date someone in medicine. Yeah. So it's it's a nice. Yeah, he likes hearing about the business, but he's never been part of. He's never. He's like he went to his, a market with me, and he's like, I've never actually sold something before, and I'm like, really. I'm like, oh, yeah, you haven't. Like, you've only been working at a hospital. Like, essentially, yeah. I've never literally, like, here's $12. Here's a pouch of pierogi. But it's just, yeah, It's I
0: like it. It's a nice balance, for sure. What advice would you give for okay. people? Yeah. <laughs> it's still early. You're like, I'm crossing my car. I hope I wish you the best. I wish both of you the best. What advice would you give for people on trying to find balance when they're this is something that my mentor talks to me about all the time. He's like, you're gonna get to a place, you're gonna meet someone, and you're gonna have to take it back a few notches. So selfish question, but how have you learned to find balance between your professional and personal life?
1: Yeah. Um, so now, so I do this thing like three times a week. Um, Where I put my phone away like out of sight out of mind around like 7 30 and I'm like okay I'm not going to look at that and like what am what do I want like do I and I never journaled in my life and I was like what are things that people have told you you should do um and you haven't done I'm like journaling yeah um so (laughs) so there's a lot of things that I I've just like okay because if I have a distraction right it's so hard with the business it's 24 7 so if you don't remove the buzzing thing that's going off that's probably directed to you right because it's either my sister or I and one of us can answer it so if you don't remove that it's really hard you can say all you want like oh I'm not gonna look at my phone or my computer but if they're sitting right there um so I like to do and like what I like to do now is I used to do a lot of like morning workouts but now it's like at the night you know nighttime like to like 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 jump start again um in you know friends I always like we do a lot of events and festivals on the weekends still we're still trying to build the brand in New England so a lot of my weekends are full and so I try to stack you know like friend, like friend time during the week like a dinner or walk or something like that and then I'm very big in traveling so I try to go somewhere for like four to five days at least like once once every few months and just totally unplug some random place in the U.S. or abroad and just go. And I do that often. So we're like, you're always traveling. And I'm like, that's just so important for like the reset. So I think if you book the trip, then you're going to go.
0: You've touched on working out and you've touched on reset and journaling. So we're going to take this last little bit of the episode to dive into personal practice because I preach that success comes on the external when you do the work internally. And all the things that you just mentioned are three things that take care of yourself before your business. How important do you feel it is for people to have an outlet that fuels themselves before it fuels their business?
1: It's essential, I think. Um, Yeah, like, you know, even, even before jumping on this call, yeah, I'm tired. And I'm like, okay, like, do you, like, what do you want to, okay, like, jump on your bike, I have a bike, like, it's like, right up, you know, sits in the living room, so I have to stare at it, but, like, you know, it's just like, okay, jump on that for 10 minutes, and and then my mind, you know, it's like, oh, like, my mind's all of a sudden clear, because I'm moving my body, like, it's so important to move your, I I genuinely think anyone, like, it's, and that doesn't mean run a marathon, I mean, I ran my first marathon, and that was, like, the craziest thing I've done for myself, but, like, doesn't mean that, it's just, like, move your, move your body and like do something different and uncomfortable, like it really like ignites something. It it always does. And so I think it's super important because if you don't move your, like moving your body could be going for a, a mile walk, right? It's not. So like, if you don't move your body and you, you have all this like built up tension and emotion and anger or frustration or sadness or happiness, whatever it is, it's all bottled up. It's going to, going to explode, Whether that's a good explosion or a bad explosion. It's going to happen if you're not constantly and, you know, exercise, like I said, like, I mean, I really just started journaling and I'm like, oh my gosh, like even just like flipping back through pages. I'm like, that's what I felt two weeks ago. And now I'm here. And how did I get here? Why was I so angry? Oh, this is why. Okay. This triggered this, you know, it's just like, it's so important. To, to even five minutes a day right it's not much time so when people say busy lives I mean they're really important things to add into your schedule that don't take much time that will actually transform your life I think.
0: How did you figure out what worked for you? Early on so like in
1: high school I remember just being like you know going through a all the emotions that is high school. I moved in the middle of high school um, to a new school and people were very mean to me. I didn't know why. Um, I was the new girl. I didn't do anything wrong, but they just weren't nice. Um, and I just remember like having all this like bottled up, like, (sighs) yeah, what is happening? I'm 16 years old. Like should be with my friends back home. I hate you mom. Even though like it wasn't her fault, you know, all of those emotions. Yeah. Um, and I just remember like, so I played volleyball, but then I was like, really like, okay, I'm going to become like the best at volleyball. And that's what I did. So I got to the new school and I immediately joined the volleyball team. And I was like, why? Okay. It's volleyball. It's competition. Always like a competition, but two, like, it's working out this like consistent schedule, like I'm moving my body. Right. I'm, I'm slamming the ball, like all of that. I was feeling at an early age and it like, got me through high school, you know, like having that outlet. And so it continued in college, right? Like studying and like just breaking it up, like, okay, I'm going to go for a run or like, I'm going to go, I, you know, play co-ed volleyball. Like, just, I knew what it was. Like I needed that. And so it's always continued on because I've always, always feel like a hundred times better when I'm doing that.
0: I could not live without it. And it's funny because when people ask me for any tips or advice. I always just say, I would not even be able to work if I didn't do it. Like my morning routine is so, it's not even complicated. It's the same thing every single day. And it's very simple. Cause that's, I think where consistency can build is when things are simple, but without it, my entire day is completely different. And I hate to be dependent on anything, but I feel as when I'm taking care of my mind and I'm taking care of my body, everything else around me and my energy just completely and totally shifts. And I've noticed that across the board with super successful people, and I've listened to it on other podcast of what's transformed their life the most. And it's always a meditation or working out or journaling, something that is so simple that you hear all the time. But once you start doing it, you're like, wow journaling. I, I'm the same. Someone told me to meditate like over a year and a half ago. And I was like, I'm never doing that. And now I'm like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed. I'm addicted and I can't stop. So good job with the journaling. I love that. That's like one of my (laughs) favorites.
1: I know. Like people are going to be like, she does not journal. And I'm like, no, it's, it's new, but it's, it's, I, yeah, it's helping for sure.
0: What's a few more questions for you. And then we'll wrap this thing up. What's a piece of advice that you would give yourself in your early 20s, going through your entrepreneurial journey, whether it's a professional piece of advice or it's a personal piece of advice?
1: Yeah, I would say like, keep doing things that fill you up. Like keep doing that period. Because it's not fun waking up in the morning and and rolling over and looking at your alarm and saying, why? Or like, is it Friday yet? have you know it's wednesday two days to the weekend like continue to do things that fill you up like no matter what that is career personal whatever um yeah i would say that and also like for me it was you know i've been in boston my for a long time and it's always been like okay experience like it's important to also experience different cultures like i think as a person to continue to grow like just, you gotta see the world, like not just in this lens in the city of Boston, like you gotta like explore. Um, and so I continue to do that. Pre-COVID, I was like every year going to a new country and I, I had done that since I was 16. Um, and I'm starting that up again, but I just think it really like, it, how, it, it puts everything in perspective. Like your world here, is so small in comparison to like what's out there. And so just like have perspective that like, you know, every, like people like it could always be worse and you see better, but like appreciate where you come from, but also open your eyes.
0: (laughs) How would you advise someone in shifting their mindset and shifting their perspective if they're in a place where they don't want to be?
1: Yeah. I would say so for me, I'm just thinking like when I was initially in corporate and like pretty unhappy. Um especially if you don't have a light like right. So it's like when you're sitting there and you don't have that thing that's going off. Yeah. It's like everyone has some outlet, right? So it's like, what is your outlet? Consistently take part in that whatever that is, video gaming, running, journaling, meditating, and like, it will come to you, like, have, like, have faith, like, I do think, like, trust the process is really, really important, like, you are where you are now, but, like, you will be set, like, a lot can happen in a year, a lot can happen in five years, but, like, a lot can happen in 365 days, so, like, I just, every year, I'm like, it's has been a year, like, especially cool like three years what so it's just like no like know what lights you up if you don't know what lights you up like what's it what's your outlet and like continue to have like her you know extra have that in your daily routine and like it will come to you for sure
0: trust the process was a I'm a horoscope girl um was what <laughs> it said or like the account that I follow that's exactly what it said today. And I've been reminded of that so much lately and in almost every single conversation, like just trust the process. It's all going to come together and you're going to look back. And I know that, like, I know that in my soul, it's just the reminder that you needed or that I needed personally. So thank you for sharing that and affirming that. Entrepreneurship has taught you blank. Grit. Grit. OK, so much grit.
1: <laughs> Entrepreneurship. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a funky word to fit in that on that blank line. Um, but every single day I, rem- I am reminded like, by how much work <laughs> it really is. It's a lot of work, um, a lot of deep breathing. But yeah, it's grit, but it's the most it's the most fulfilling thing I've ever experienced and probably will ever experience
0: besides having kids one day. I can feel your passion from across the uh, Zoom screen. So I love that for you. And before we get to the final question that I ask every single person, I want you to pimp yourself out. So where can people find the product? I can put all of this in the show notes like you do every single episode, but where can they find you? Give a- the audience all the details and when they can get some yummy pierogies after this episode. Yes. So
1: we are, we ship nationally. Okay. Um. So we're available on. Um We're also on Instagram. So it's just at Jajupirogi, which is J-A-J-U-Pirogi, P-I-E-R-O-G-I, also on Facebook. Um, but yeah, we ship nationally. Right now, we're pretty heavily distributed from Mass, uh, sorry Maine to Virginia. Um, we're making our way west. As I mentioned, we, we have contact with Kroger um, and working on sprouts, too. So that will be great. But yeah, right now, if you order tomorrow, um, your shipment would go out on Monday and you'd have it by Tuesday, anywhere in the U S
0: fast shipping folks. We love that. It's like Amazon out here with the pierogies. You're hungry. Yeah. You can get them. All right. Perfect. Well, then the last question I ask every single person is Casey. What are you grateful for today?
1: My parents. Oh, so yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Both of them are very consistent and they're like our num- like number one support system and just like best friends. So I, every single day I'm like, gosh, I'm so glad that they're my parents. <laughs> but especially today I talked to my, I was texting with my mom earlier and I
0: was like, God, she's so great. I'm just
1: so happy to have her.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. I, I- I always piggyback off of the guests, but I'm going to say that one too. I haven't seen my parents in so long and I'm going to see them uh, next weekend for my dad's birthday. So I am going to steal yours. I'm going to say I'm grateful for my my parents and I'm always grateful for um, this podcast. So thank you so much, Casey, for being on. It was great talking with you.